everyone welcome to the awakening podcast and today i have a guest my spiritual sister nomad investor coach at the abundantcouples.ca cassidy luxden and today we'll be talking about spirituality love relationship sexuality also lifestyle and micro habits Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Cassidy. Hello. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yes. The first question which I would love to ask you is if you ever had a moment of the awakening when your life was separated for before and after. Yeah. So when I reflected on this, I've there aren't any big moments that stand out. It's more a lot of smaller moments, but there are a few, I think, that do stand out. Uh, the first would probably be maybe not the first, but one of the bigger first ones would be when I was 19 years old, I think, I did the Landmark Forum. It's you know, a personal growth course that basically helps you to become aware of your subconscious beliefs and how they're actually running your life. And it was very transformational. And especially you know, to go through that at that age, I realized that, wow, my life is all what I create. I create my life 100% and what I believe directly affects my reality. So that was a great realization to have and it helps me just be able to go for anything and to be able to shift my paradigms in a lot of ways. Another would be probably a few years after that, first time I did psychedelics, it just took me out of my usual reality <laughs> and showed me that there's so much more that we don't see yeah. every day with our eyes and that we don't hear with our ears, that there's so much beyond what we can sense within the limits of our bodies. And from there, I became a lot more interested in meditation and yoga to be able to reach those places even without the use of psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And then... I would say the third one that stands out would be cervical orgasm, actually. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> when my partner of 11 and a half years now, Matt and I started learning more about sexuality and really studying it, at first I didn't even realize there were different types of orgasms. <laughs> but then at some point I learned about the spiritual nature of the cervical orgasm and we finally had that experience together and it was really, it's really hard to put into words, but <laughs> it was really transformational and really beautiful and um, a very spiritual experience. So now I'm really excited to share that possibility with others. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> we'll definitely go back to cervical orgasms and talk more <laughs> deep about that. But I would like to come back to your story a little bit. And uh, from my experience of knowing you, I can absolutely tell that you mastered your life and uh, you create your own reality. And uh, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to that state of abundance when you 
create your own reality, you travel around the world, you invest, you have this abundance, you have amazing love, amazing relationship. And basically everything you touch, you just <laughs> get what you want from that. So tell us your story and what you do as a, a life coach. Sure. Well, first thing I want to say that I'm on the path of mastery in my life, not quite a master, because I think there's for everybody, there's always another level and there's always more, more to master. So I'll always be on the path of mastery in every area of my life. And that's like the foundation of my life, I think, is being on the path of mastery yeah. in every area. I Going back to that experience at Landmark and really getting that clarity on how I really do create my reality, I just started questioning all of my beliefs and getting clear on what beliefs do I have that are inherited from my parents, from my society, from my schooling, all these areas. And are they serving me or not? Do I want to keep them or get rid of them? What would be a more empowering belief I can take on? So that was really helpful. And then together, my fiance, Matt, and I, we really took a lot of time to get clear on what we wanted our life to look like mm -hmm. in every area. What do we want our relationship to look like? What do we want our work life to look like? What do we want our health to look like? just really getting clear on our vision in every area. And I remember writing down six years ago or so what my ideal day would mm -hmm. look like. And it's basically exactly what I'm living right now. Yeah. So that clarity is so key because then anytime an opportunity comes up or you're faced with a decision or you're trying to figure out what's next, what's the next step, when you have that clarity of vision, then it becomes a natural decision to make, yes. right? You just, is it in alignment with this vision or is it not? Yes or no? Yeah. I did this practice as well. I worked with um, one coach and it was actually also about uh, sexuality, but we touched this as well. And uh, she asked me a question, how do you envision your ideal life in five years? And write down detailed schedule from what you do when you wake up till the evening. And uh, one of the things was there that when I wake up, I want to have personal coach in my house, personal trainer to work out with me in the basement of our house. And uh, just a month ago, we actually, it's COVID, uh, uh, all the gyms are closed. And I called my coach from Ukraine and I told him, I would love to resume our workouts because I'm becoming chunky. <laughs> What's how gyms open? Can you be my trainer online? We have gym in the basement. Can you be my coach? He's like, yeah, sure. So we started to work out with my husband in the mornings with my trainer from Ukraine coaching us through the video call. And we were going to bed with uh, uh, Michael, with my husband. And I told him, I just realized that I envisioned that five years ago. I wrote <laughs> it down that I want coach to be with me in the basement of my house in the morning at 7 a.m. And it it's exactly our time. <laughs> so this is really work. Yeah, it's powerful. Yes. Clarity is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't need to know how it's going to happen. Yeah. Like you just need to, it's like wave the magic wand. What would it look like? And you don't need to know all the steps. You don't need to know how it's oh, going to yeah. happen. You just need to see it and know that you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. However, that ends up happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so from there, like when we started our real estate investing, um, we bought our first property. I think we were 21 when we bought our first properties. Mm -hmm. Most people, when they build a real estate investment portfolio, they're kind of attached to it physically, right? Like they need to be in the city, they need to be around so they can go to the properties so they can, you know, manage manage everything. But we knew right from the start our why, right? We knew our vision that we want to be able to travel. We want to be able to live nomadically. We don't want to be tied to any one location. And we just want to have that freedom that we knew real estate could give us. And so we started setting it up that way from the beginning. It wasn't easy and it definitely took a lot of iterations, a lot of trial and error and improvements along the way. But having that vision right from the start, like Stephen Covey says, you know, start with the end in mind. Yeah. Yeah. It just helps to guide everything in the right direction. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. And uh, I know that for a while you didn't even have a specific house where you lived. So you were basically <laughs> not homeless, but <laughs> without no the medic. house. No medic, yeah. <laughs> and you were just traveling around the world. Sometimes you would take a bicycle tour around United States. Then you would uh, go to Bali and live there for a couple of months. Then you would go to India, Thailand, like Every time I would try to follow you, you would be in a different part of the world. Until recently, you just got RV and you tried to settle down in Vancouver. But now you still, you again think about selling it because (laughs) you are in Costa Rica apparently right now and (laughs) RV doesn't serve you. Yeah. This is so cool. And that was part of like our vision from the start. We want to be able to travel. And the funny thing is our first big trip was that bicycle trip. It was six months and it was just the two of us. We actually didn't have a time frame when we started it. It was like indefinite. Mm-hmm. We we're like, let's just go on a bike trip for however long we feel like. Yes. <laughs> so we just packed up some panniers on our bikes and a bike trailer and brought all of our instruments with us too. And um, just biked. We started in Savannah, Georgia, biked down the coast of Georgia and Florida, across Florida. Then we flew to California, to LA. And biked up the Highway 1 along the coast all the way up to San Francisco. And from there, took the train back when we were just like, you know, I think I've had enough of sleeping in the tent because we were (laughs) camping the whole way. But what happened was during that bike trip, a little bit of context, right before the bike trip, we had been running a painting business together Mm -hmm. with Student Works Painting. We started when we were 18, I guess, 18, 19. And... We did well with the painting business. We made a good amount of money, but it was a lot of work. It was like hard work, very busy. So we had all this money, but no free time. Yes. And then after that, we went on the bike trip and we had all the time in the world. Freedom. Yeah. (laughs) But then the bank account went down, down, down. So it was at the end of that bike trip that we were like, okay, we want to travel, but we don't want to have to like save up, go travel, and then come back, work again to have to save up to travel again. Mm -hmm. And then every time we're left right back at square one. So the question was, and I'm all about asking good questions. Mm -hmm. The question was, how do we travel and come back more wealthy than before? Mm -hmm. And that's when we started thinking about real estate investing as like, oh yeah, 
that would be a way. Yes. <laughs> so that's why we started in that. Yeah. yeah. Quality of life depends on the quality of questions yes. you ask yourself. So that was a good one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, actually, congratulations. You became a millionaire. Thank <laughs> we you. learned a couple a <laughs> few months ago. And uh, that's that's incredible. How did you make that? Consistency, mostly. <laughs> Persistence yes. and consistency. A lot of hard work. And with real estate, it's been six years now. Yeah, six years that we've been buying, renovating, renting properties. Um, we've partnered with a lot of amazing people to invest with us so that we can grow more quickly. And we're always thinking about how to have a bigger impact. So for us, real estate investing itself has never been an end goal. We really see it as a vehicle to mm -hmm. create the financial stability so that we can then have the freedom to really go after what we're really passionate about and really have a big impact in the world. Because I realized early on, like, I don't want to, for example, with relationship coaching, I don't want to have the limitation of finances in my relationship coaching. Mm -hmm. I don't want to need the next client. And we want to build an eco-community and we don't want to be limited by finances when it comes to our eco-community and have to make decisions based on finances. So that's why we started with the real estate investing to get that financial stability so that we can then go and have an impact in a bigger way mm -hmm. without financial limitations. So it's working. We're continuing to grow and expand and find new ways to make an impact yes mm -hmm. and since we touched that topic what's your plans in a five years how do you envision your life what's your plan about eco village and what is that exactly yeah the eco village is something that we've actually been envisioning since we were probably 18 years old we just have this image in our mind of having a big plot of land lots of forest in a beautiful place <laughs> Now we've settled on Vancouver Island as being the place for it, where we are building homes that are totally self-sufficient, self-sustainable, and in community with others. In this community, we would also have an alternative school and community center, offer classes, offer the space for all of the community members to be Amazing. able to serve in the way that they feel called to. So we're really close. When we get back to Vancouver Island, we're going to be looking for land. So basically in five years, we'll have the land. We'll have built at least a few homes. We'll have built our own home, Matt's parents' home, and my brother's home, and maybe a couple more. And we'll have started up a community center and probably a school as well. Matt's mom is a forest school teacher, and she's been an elementary school teacher. So we're really excited to have yeah. that school there. And continue to travel. And then also in that five-year plan is what's next for us is regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. So regenerative agriculture is basically a way of working with the land, not to extract from it, but to work with it, continue to regenerate the soil so that the soil stays healthy. And a healthy soil makes a healthy planet. The foundation of our planet's health really lies in the soil. So there's a lot that goes into the conversation around regenerative agriculture. 
there's an excellent documentary, Kiss the Ground, mm -hmm. that's on Netflix that people can watch if they're interested in learning more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we really want to help contribute to the regenerative agriculture movement and regenerate a lot of farmland and provide yeah. healthy, organic food and make the planet more healthy. Mm, I love your yeah. vision. <laughs> it's so amazing. I remember when we were in sauna and uh, you told me this, the idea of how to reduce the amount of plastic mm. and that you created this business plan. Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> Can you share that? Sure. Yeah. It was just more of a thought experiment, not a business that we'll actually do probably. And The great thing is that so many places now are banning plastic bags, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but at the time we were thinking there's so many single use plastics, they should not be used at all. It just makes yeah. zero sense. They're not necessary and they're horrible for our environment. And we thought, okay, the only way that grocery stores and other businesses are going to switch to sustainable options or requiring people to bring their own bags, those kind of things will be if there's a financial incentive for them. There has to be some benefit for them for them to make that change. So forget exactly what the business model we came up with was, but we came up with a way of incentivizing grocery stores and other businesses to reduce the amount of single-use plastics We had a whole thing right yeah. now. We like we like to do this. Sometimes we'll think of a good idea. Just brainstorm. Brainstorm. <laughs> How can we make this work better? <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, we'll be like, that is really cool. Yeah. Probably not where we want to put our energy because we can only put our energy in so many places. But it's a cool idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so many That's ideas. Beautiful. Yeah. And I love how minimalistic is your lifestyle and you're really very aware of what does serve you and what doesn't serve you and you never overconsume, you never take more than you can bite. And uh, that's something what I really learned from you because mm -hmm. I'm coming from New York background where I lived for nine years and it's all about consumption, about material things about different brands, who is wearing what, everybody judge you based on that. And you're just like, just that <laughs> hippie who's super aware of what it needs and what doesn't. Yeah. This is so cool. I think yoga helped me a lot with this because I think it starts with even the body awareness. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's so powerful about yoga is the mind, body, spirit connection because it all starts with yourself And from practicing yoga over the last 11 years, um, I've become really connected to my body. So I notice, for example, if I eat something that doesn't sit well, I notice it and I go, okay, this didn't give me energy. It yeah. took energy away. So let's not do that again. So it's like a joyful process of eliminating the things that don't serve me. And it probably also has a lot to do with my upbringing too. My parents were very much like, They didn't really shop or spend money. We just had simple things. I got all hand-me-down clothes from my older siblings oh. <laughs> and, you know, it was very minimal. So I've kind of embraced that. And then when it comes to clothes for me, I just think about the overall impact and the environmental impact of the clothing industry. So I get almost all of my clothes either secondhand or swapping or handmade with organic 
materials, materials. Biodegradable. Yeah. There's very rare occasions where usually if I'm traveling and I see a very unique piece of clothing at the market that I'll buy it. But other than that, like this dress is a hand-me-down from my, who would she be? My <laughs> brother-in-law's sister-in-law. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, for me, financial integrity. And I think that is, when it comes to abundance, I think financial integrity is a really key piece because thinking about where your money is really going. And when I spend this money, what is it furthering? Every piece of money I put into the world, it's energy, right? It's energy saying, yes, I support this. And then if you think about who am I supporting and what are they supporting and the whole cycle of where that money flows. And if it's not in alignment with my values, then I shouldn't be putting my Mm -hmm. money there. So aware. It becomes (laughs) challenging at times though, but it's a nice challenge buying all organic food, trying to get as close to zero waste as possible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it means a lot of extra effort or planning, but for me, it's worth it Mm because I feel like, yeah, this feels good for me. Feels good for the planet. Yes, that's true. That's actually what my yoga teacher also used to say. He said that just think about how many things we buy and we don't know what we want. Our issue is that we don't know what we want. So we buy all of this because we are so lost, so unaware of what we truly need. And uh, like we need a little connector for to connect these two devices. And we go to the Amazon, we order 10 of them, t- hoping that at least one will work. And then we return or don't return, we throw it out. So we're so unaware of what exactly we need and it's not just technology it's everything with a lot of things yeah i think traveling helped a lot with this too because being nomadic means that we're basically living with whatever we can fit into backpacks and the rest of our things are in bins in my parents basement and my parents are saying get your bins out of my basement (laughs) so we're constantly every time we go on a trip we realize, wow, we've made out just fine for like three or four months using just the things we fit in two backpacks. We come home and we realize we don't need most of this stuff. So every time we come home from a trip, we get rid of more things. So the amount of things we have just keeps reducing or at least the amount of unnecessary things we have. And then we keep the things that are really actually useful. I progressed a little bit with this too. <laughs> I remember when uh, one of our first trips with my husband w- before we were married was in Vegas. And I flew there for three days and I packed big luggage, which I had to check in and the small one. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure what I will feel like that I want to wear. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, last summer, no, summer before, we traveled to Europe and it was backpacked for three weeks and it was so good. <laughs> you never have to think about this luggage. It's just your backpack and it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. This is You amazing. don't have to decide what to wear from all these options too. It's like so much simpler. To, you have a few options and just pick one. Easy. <laughs> yes. When I saw how you arrived to Costa Rica, you had this few bags, but it was a lot of books. I don't know how many they brought. Probably 20. 
Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere between 20 and 30 bucks. Oh and musical instruments. Yes. <laughs> Bunch of musical instruments. Yeah, we have one one big bag, like a regular size traveling backpack. And we could just travel with that bag. It has all our clothes and whatever other items are essential to have with us. And then we have two smaller backpacks that are entirely full of books. <laughs> and then our violin and guitar, because we love to bring our instruments to be able to yes. play music. It's a big part of our lives, music. So. That's beautiful. Tell us more about your daily routine and micro habits. How does it serve you and how did it help you to be where you are right now with your finances and with your businesses and with your lifestyle? Actually, thinking about it, when I was talking earlier about the vision being so key in creating the life you want, but it's not just the vision, it's the vision paired with habits. You need both. Just having the vision and not making actual behavioral changes in your life isn't going to make your life change. So pairing the vision with really good habits that are constantly evolving and always spiraling upward is a powerful combination. Mm -hmm. So usually it's like, what do I want is the first question. And then what's the number one thing I can start or stop doing that will help me achieve that? Many of our habits are health-based because health is the foundation of life. It's, I feel that it's the most important thing to have a healthy body, healthy mind. So yeah, we've got our morning routine. It's usually about two hours in the morning. And then we've got our evening routine. And my coach always says, your day starts the night before. Yeah. So, yep, our morning routine looks like wake up usually around seven. When I've been fasting the last couple of days, it's been like 830, but yeah. that's okay. The body needs more rest. Yeah. Um, usually about seven, wake up. First thing, drink some water and then meditate for about 20 to half an hour. And then yoga after that, usually about half an hour. Or if my body needs a little more, I'll do a little more. Then after that, it's reading, nonfiction. And planning the day, looking forward to what's happening today, doing my morning reflection, questions in the morning. And that's a typical morning. So it sounds like a lot, like a two-hour routine with all these different things. But it's something we built over time. And micro habits yeah. are the key to keeping this routine. So a micro habit is basically the very smallest version of that habit. So if I want to meditate for half an hour every day, there's going to be some days where either I don't feel like it or I've got to get up super early to go on a flight or whatever. So on those days, I'm not going to want to meditate for half an hour. And if I'm just, my goal is meditate half an hour, then I'll probably just skip it. And then I've lost Lose the momentum. momentum. Yeah. yeah. So instead... I have a micro habit where I meditate for one minute. No matter what day, no matter what's going on, I always can meditate for one minute. Absolutely. Super, super, super simple. Impossible to skip. So one minute of meditation, one sun salutation, one page of reading, and then a quick review of my day. It can be done in five minutes. Yes. This is so powerful. Most days it's two hours, but some days... If I need it to be, it's five minutes. Yeah. Yes. And what's your evening routine? Evening routine. So five o'clock is shut down complete time. And since we're self-employed, something we used to do 
is really blur the lines between working time and non-working time. It's on the one hand, it's a sign that we enjoy what we're doing. You know, we enjoy the work we're doing, so we're okay to do it whenever. But it's important to give your brain time to wind down and digest everything that you've taken in throughout the day before you sleep for the purpose of having a really good sleep. And sleep is so important. So we really prioritize that. So five o'clock is shut down complete, no more work done at that time. Then it's deep love time. So time for us to just be with each other without distractions, have dinner, play a game, maybe watch a show. And then 8.30 is our digital sunset. So after 8.30, all electronics are off, no more screens. It's really good to have at least an hour between the time that you're looking at screens and the time you're falling asleep because all the blue light disrupts your melatonin production. So again, sleep is so important. (laughs) So shut down complete at 8.30. Then after that, it's our daily intimacy time. So we committed, I guess it's been like three years ago now, I think at least two years, maybe two or three Mm -hmm. um, years ago that we committed to daily intimacy. We heard a podcast actually And somebody was interviewing a woman who was in her 60s, I think. And her and her husband had this beautiful relationship that they were talking about. And the interviewer asked her, what do you do? What are your habits? How do you keep this love alive? And she talked about that they have daily intimacy. Every day, almost every day, they have sex. And if it's not sex, then it's something else because you need to honor the body as well. You know, there are times when... That's not what you're feeling, but most days it's sex. And when we heard this, we were driving in the car, listening to this podcast. We heard this. We kind of looked at each other like, should we do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was also kind of this, a little bit of resistance. Like, that seems like a lot. That seems overboard, you know? Should we do that? (laughs) So we decided, let's try for 30 days. 30 days, let's do an experiment, daily intimacy, And then we'll decide if we like it. And then we haven't stopped. That was like two or three years ago. (laughs) And actually, in fact, we doubled down. We now have our double daily intimacy. Actually, that's kind of at the end of our morning routine. We have a little bit of intimacy, just something short, 10 minutes. We find that cultivating that sexual energy early in the day like that, right before we're about to go into work, gives us extra juicy, creative energy, (laughs) playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And we notice when we start our day like that, we just jive way better throughout the day. Like Mm -hmm. we just flow more harmoniously together and we have more energy to put into our work. So that's been really powerful, that that habit. Yeah, Yeah, sexual energy, definitely very powerful and turns on our productivity and even success and even attracts abundance and money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is something powerful. And I would love to talk about this more. So right now you are relationship coaches and uh, you really, as for me, mastered (laughs) sexuality. And uh, I remember we were in car and uh, somebody asked the question, uh, what was your best moment in your life? And somebody said, oh, my best moment was definitely drunk on alcohol and high on drugs. And what about you, Cassidy? And Cassidy said, Mine was having orgasm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I want to hear more about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not what you'd expect to hear. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a journey for us. We've been exploring intentionally learning about sex for probably seven years or something. So it's been a journey. And, you know, when we started on this journey, our sex life was okay. We had no complaints about it. It was fine. But we also didn't know what was possible. Mm -hmm. So when we started learning and reading these stories about mind-blowing orgasms and all this tantra, yeah, tantra <laughs> and ancient Taoist sexuality and all of this, it really opened our eyes to, oh, wow, there's a lot more possible than we've realized when it comes to sex. And it's not just about bodily pleasure. I love this analogy. I came up with it one time when I was thinking about sex and pleasure and that if you think about food, right, the food that's really good for us also tastes good. What If we think, you know, eliminate the stuff that we've manufactured, like sugar. processed sugar and all that, if you think about food that was only around at least 100 years mm -hmm. ago, the things that are good for us taste good also. But we don't eat food because it tastes good. It tastes good to tell us it's good for us, mm. but we don't eat it because it tastes good. We eat it because it nourishes us. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with sex. It's pleasurable because it's good for us. It nourishes us. And the purpose isn't the pleasure. It's all of the other nourishment that we receive from it. And there's so many benefits to gourmet sex as we call it not the we got this from our one of our teachers Kimonami as she calls really good sex gourmet sex versus like the junk food sex yeah <laughs> gourmet sex has a bunch of actual physical benefits for the body can be super healing and what we found the most is the spiritual aspect it's really become a practice for us mm -hmm. and we find that it's like a meditation it's like in order to have gourmet sex we need to be totally present with each other nothing in between us so it's a really good barometer for how what's going on in the relationship if we're not able to connect in that way we know okay we need to talk about something what's here so nothing between us super present embodying our masculine and feminine essence and just the practice of trying to be in that state, or I should say not trying to be in that state, is such a powerful thing that translates into the rest of your life. It's yeah. like a yoga, I find. And also you talked about the phrases you tell to each other. Mm. I appreciate your feminine. I appreciate your masculine. What was that? Yeah, we read it in a book. I don't remember which one at some point. So usually during sex at some point we'll pause and just be looking into each other's eyes and one of us will say to the other so i'll say i honor the shiva in you um so in the hindu philosophy there's the shiva and shakti the masculine feminine energy so shiva is the masculine energy so i say to him i honor the shiva in you i honor your presence your love your curiosity your playfulness whatever you feel whatever like, I feel yeah. right in that moment to honor in him. And then I say, may our lovemaking, um, you know, we set an intention. So may our lovemaking help us to show up powerfully 
for this project tomorrow, whatever mm-hmm. it is, or whatever rest we feel. Properly yeah, tonight. have an amazing sleep or may our love making help us find the perfect property for our eco village, oh. <laughs> whatever it is. This is so powerful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and then so he'll say similar thing to me. I honor the Shakti in you. I honor your love, your openness, your surrender, whatever it is he wants to honor in me. And then repeats that intention as well. So we always love to set an intention to our lovemaking because that sexual energy is really potent, powerful, creative energy. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, the purpose of that energy is to create a baby. And when you're not creating a baby with it, you can create other things in the world with it. If you know how to harness it and direct it, that's what you practice in Tantra. And should I talk about the cervical orgasm? Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for reminding. (laughs) Uh, What is that? What's the difference? There is a few different types of orgasms. And uh, what's so special about cervical orgasm? Yeah. And this was something, like I said earlier, I didn't even realize before. I had no idea there were different types of orgasms. And it was all a mystery to me at first. (laughs) And actually, in the beginning, I wasn't really even having orgasms and I didn't realize yeah I thought I was and later Mm -hmm. I realized I wasn't once I actually did start having orgasms Mm -hmm. so I believe it's in the Taoist philosophy they talk about this but I'm not 100% sure because I'm not very studied in it but there are basically like three gates in the woman and the first gate is the clitoris Mm -hmm. and of course it's on the outside of the body It's the way to fire up the sexual energy, to turn on the body, and to make the connection initially. And once that I think it's the easiest one. Easiest, yeah. Yeah. And then once that gate's been opened, whether through like very pleasurable stimulation or through orgasm, ideally, once that's been opened, then you can move into the second gate, which is the G spot. Mm -hmm. And the G spot's a little bit more elusive. And if you haven't gone through the first gate of the clitoris and really opened her, then the G-spot becomes, she hides. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important to go through each gate, open the first, and then you can go into the second. And then the third gate is the cervix and the last gate before the womb. And that, for me, I was having clitoral and G-spot orgasms mostly for a long time. And that's I think it's like 99 or 98, something like that percent of women only have Mm. those kinds of orgasms, which can be amazing in themselves, of course, and have their own benefits. But when we started exploring the cervical orgasms, that was an interesting journey because the cervix can hold a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. Memories. Memories. So it can be for most women, it can be quite sensitive and quite tender even painful. So we read that it's important to be patient, take your time and work on massaging it, getting out, relieving the tension. And it's very common for a lot of emotions to come up when you're doing this. A lot of things that you didn't even know, you don't even know where they're coming from. They're just stored in your body, just start to come out You cry and, you know, all this is coming out. So yeah, that's kind of the process of working up to it. But the first experience we had with a full cervical orgasm was a very divine spiritual experience. 
We were very connected, very present, very embodying the masculine and the feminine. And we're focusing on this point of pleasure. And we were both having one experience together. And this point of pleasure, it appeared to us, both of us, because we reflected about it together afterward, it appeared to both of us as a small black hole almost. Mm. And we just had to keep following that point of pleasure. And the only way I can describe it is that it was like a portal that we were going into together as one experience into this portal. And I believe this is like the portal of the womb is what it felt like, because this is a working with the cervix, the, the last gate to the womb. And it felt like we were going energetically through this portal to the womb. And then we just got totally swept through it. And <laughs> We were gone from our bodies, both of us, <laughs> totally gone. And we were no longer two. We were very much just one. I couldn't feel my body anymore. And we both had this vision of this lush garden. And the words came to our minds, Garden of Eden. Wow. It was so fascinating. And we felt like we were just in this place beyond our bodies and beyond time. We were in this place where we could create anything from, like the Garden of Eden, where life comes from. And it felt like if we wanted to pull a baby in, we could. Or if we wanted to, like, whatever we wanted to create, we could just pull it from this space. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was a very beautiful experience. And there was a lot of crying and, like, <laughs> just... I was, yeah, crying so much, actually, because it was very, like, healing. And and then afterward, we felt like we were high. If I didn't know what had just happened and I woke up that way, I would have thought I had just took mushrooms. Wow. That's what it felt like. We were very high for, like, two days. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we were days. just moving around the house in this, like, <laughs> this, like, blissful high state. Very fascinating. And I talked to my... One of my other coaches at the time, I was taking a course from her in sacred sexuality and a womb healing mostly. And I explained this experience to her and she was so excited because she was like, yeah, that's, they talk about that in Taoism that, you know, this is the garden of life wow. is, is through the womb and there's this creative portal. And I didn't know any of that. Right. So it was really cool to have that experience. That's amazing. It's Transformation. Who was your coach at that time? Sanya or Sanya? Lina? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't great. remember her last name now, unfortunately, but she has a really good course. Medicine Woman course. Yeah. I took too. I talked about this yeah. on my first episode. It was transformational as yeah. well. But really in different terms. For me, after that course, I started my podcast. Nice. Yeah. After one meditation, which was so powerful, and I just cried at the end and I wrote down my action plan. <laughs> nice. Yes. It's a great story. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in the body and that's what I got from that course was like being able to go into the body and go into the inner world and mm -hmm. like just tap inner into forest, the wisdom yeah ancestral knowledge mm -hmm. everything is stored in the womb mm -hmm. so amazing yeah and uh, what's uh, the other tools and uh, teachers you use to master this area of your life i know you use yoni egg mm -hmm. and uh, you also talk a lot about lila martin course mm -hmm. and kimanami could you share that with us as well yeah i think leila martin was the first course that we took we had 
Before that, we had picked up a bunch of books Mm -hmm. that just piqued our interest. One really good one was called Slow Sex. That helped us a lot getting into it. And then the first course we took was, I believe it's called Epic Lovers by Layla Martin. And it was like $2,000 or something. And at the time, we thought, okay, that's a lot of money to pay for a course about sex. And we didn't know what to expect. But then we thought, yeah, it's worth it. Let's, yeah. let's do it. And it was very much worth it. It just helps to get out of your normal routine. We can get stuck in a lot of habits around our sex. And to just step out, try different things. And she teaches a lot of tantric kind of practices. So that helped a lot. That really pushed our mm-hmm. uh, sexual journey forward. We've taken a couple other courses from her since then, including the Jade Egg mm-hmm. course. So working with the Yoni Egg has been really helpful for me. Getting more sensation. Yeah. I had a lot of numbness before. So getting mm-hmm. more sensation and more control in my Yoni. Awake Yoni. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, we found the... We found Kiminami through her podcast. It was funny how it happened. I was leaving the house one day to go get groceries and I was about to download a couple podcasts to listen to. And when I opened my Spotify right there on the front page was like recommended or something. Mm-hmm. And it said orgasmic enlightenment. <laughs> I love this name. <laughs> this sounds good. <laughs> so I checked it out, downloaded a bunch of episodes and then just binge listened to the whole thing. It was yeah. so interesting. Yeah. And so it that's when it really opened up my mind to what's possible with sexuality and, you know, how to cultivate the sexual energy yeah. and, and cervical orgasms and everything like that. And that was another thing that really pushed yeah. our journey forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw her recent name, 60 orgasms in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's also a vaginal weightlifter. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're taking her course in Bali, which is yeah (laughs) yeah you're going hard guys (laughs) yeah exactly and that's coming back to the financial integrity part that's what we're always thinking about like how do we align our money with our values and our relationship is a huge value for us Mm -hmm. like aside from our physical and emotional mental health just above that would be our relationship it's the foundation of everything else that we do And we realize that the more we work on our relationship, the more everything else in our life improves. Mm -hmm. So when we thought about it that way, then it makes a lot of sense to invest that into our relationship because it's a huge value for us. We spend almost no money on clothes or material things, but we'll definitely spend $15,000 on a relationship retreat. Wow, (laughs) that's amazing. Hopefully it happens. We'll see this year. Yeah, it might get pushed. (laughs) And uh, could you share how you plan your finances? How do you do all this planning and work around money wisely so you have enough for education, enough for traveling, enough for nice dinners sometimes? What's your tips in finances? Yeah, so we went to a course one time called the Millionaire Mind Experience And that was another one of those transformational moments when it comes to finances, really helped us realize what our beliefs around money were and to replace them with more empowering beliefs about money. And one of the big takeaways from that course was setting up a money jar system. So before we would have, you know, our just main bank account that our income would come into and go out of, 
and we would kind of spend almost randomly from there. And we had tried making budgets before, but we never really stuck with them. But what we learned about the money jar system was super helpful. So basically you have different money jars or for us it's sub bank accounts because everything is online. So we have a bunch of different sub bank accounts and each one of them is allocated for a different thing. So we've got our living expenses, we've got our play, our travel, our education, giving, and yeah, there's probably a couple others I'm not thinking of right now. We also, if we want to bring something into our life, we create a new bank account for it and start putting money into it specifically for that thing. Mm -hmm. So that's been super helpful because, so each of those categories you allocate a certain percentage to, Mm -hmm. and it'll be a little bit different for everybody based on how much income you have and what your current expenses are. But a big thing for us was the giving account. They suggested 5% for giving. And we were asking, because at the time we had a lot of debt, we had just been getting into real estate and took took on a lot of debt and we didn't have a lot of income yet from the real estate. So we were thinking, how are we giving 5% of our income? And what he said stuck with me. He's like, if you can't give $5 out of 100, how do you think you'll be able to give 5 million out of 100 million? Mm. We were like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because... Any habits you ever want to have, you should start them now. <laughs> yes. Because it's never going to get easier. That's what a lot of coaches talk about. And I was at Tonya Robbins uh, Business Mastery Seminar. And uh, we had an entire session on the seminar talking about sharing and contribution. And he suggests minimum 10% and even go for 40, 50% mm-hmm. of sharing for charities and creating some projects to help other people. And uh, it was mind-blowing for me. I was like, how? (laughs) And he said, when you start to think beyond yourself, when you start caring about other people, all your consciousness, all your mind expands and your vision becomes bigger. For example, if you only think about yourself, you are limited versus when you have five kids and you have to, it's much more responsibility to provide them, for them to be happy. And when you start to think about the planet, about kids who don't have uh, clear water and so on, your mind is just different. And he invests a lot in uh, kids' traffic. Mm -hmm. And uh, his organization is Underground Railroad, Mm -hmm. which is amazing, where all the ex-CIA workers working, like agents, they dress up as different people and uh, they just go there on a mission and they just destroy (laughs) those bad guys and they save thousands of kids. And Tony Robbins created a fund for his 65th birthday and uh, the ticket for his concert was super expensive. And all the money he gathered, he was like, I'm sending this to save kids' lives. And this is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's part of why our real estate portfolio has done so well, too, is because, yes, we have a vision of where we're going in our life, but we're never focusing on what we're making from a deal. Every deal that we do, every project that we do, we're totally focused on how much of a return can we get for our investors? We know what our investors' goals are and we do everything that we can to help them reach their goals. And we structure our business in such a way that 
when our investors do really well, we do really well. True. So it automatically puts us in this frame of mind of helping others. And then I think just more abundance happens that way. And when it comes to regenerative agriculture that we're going to start a fund for very soon, I'm really excited to see what kind of abundance we can create for others while making the soil of the planet healthier and reversing climate change. For me, that's super exciting. (laughs) And that's what the focus is. And when you create massive value by helping others, helping the world, it just comes back. Yeah, it's a law of reciprocity. It's going to come back. Yes, Mm -hmm. this is so beautiful. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, what would be your biggest relationship advice? Ooh, okay. First thing that comes to mind is really cultivating a growth mindset within the relationship because everything in life, everything that's a part of nature, that's a part of life, which we are, is either growing or dying. It's either in a state of growth or decay. Yeah. So having that growth mindset in the relationship, you can face absolutely anything that comes your way because you adopt the belief that whatever happens, we can figure it out together and we become stronger because of it. So for us, that's been the key is just seeing any little friction, any little challenge that comes up between us. We actually get excited about those like, oh, wow, look at this, an opportunity to grow even closer, to learn more about ourselves, to help each other grow even more. So that growth mindset would be so important. And what goes along with that is taking care of things right as they come up. So if we have any little friction, any little upset, we deal with it right away. We've developed a process over time that works really well for us to quickly handle these upsets Mm -hmm. and turn them into a moment of growth and connection, which we teach about. That's so key because if you want to have an amazing relationship, there's just no room for holding on to anything. Again, it it gets reflected in sex too. When there's things between you, there's, it just, you don't have that connection. Yeah. And in every area of your life, when, as our relationship improves and when we have nothing between us and we're feeling really connected and harmonious, our business does better and we feel healthier. Everything flows better because any bit of thing between us is like dissonance. It's like disturbing the Mm -hmm. flow of life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Take care of things right away and learn how to do that practice because it takes practice for each couple to really get strong at dealing with those little moments in an effective way. So whether you get a relationship coach or you take a lot of time, like we did just developing your own model for how to deal with things. Really important. Yeah, that's amazing. And what is your message about starting now in life? And this is more general, but that's another thing. So I mentioned a little bit earlier, like if you want to have any habit at any point, then now's the time to start it, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about with the giving, if you want to give any money in the future, then start giving now. And I think it's like this for everything in life. So when it comes to how you want to feel in the future, how you want your future to look like, what you envision for your future... How can you start living that way now? And it's important to balance this vision of the future 
with gratitude for this moment. I think a lot of people get a little disillusioned or can have a bit of anxiety or feel a lot of pressure when they're so focused on the vision of the future, a new project they're creating or whatever it is. And they just think, okay, when I do this, then everything will be good. When I do this, then I'll be happy. Then I can relax. But if you don't start practicing having deep, true gratitude for life, just as it is right now in this moment, because life only ever is right now in this moment. If you can't generate that gratitude now and that satisfaction now, then how do you think you'll have it Mm -hmm. when you do achieve that thing in the future? Yeah, it will never be enough. Right. We always want more, more, more. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's been such an amazing practice for me. And I hope everyone will start to practice more gratitude and appreciation for everything as it is right now, including the things that aren't as we'd like them to be. Because those things are the things that help us grow. So we can be so grateful for those opportunities too. And just loving everything in life. Because when you reject any part of life or you reject any part of yourself. Or your dark side. (laughs) Yeah. Then you're saying no to life. And that doesn't feel good. Life needs to be embraced in all its forms. And that feels really good. That's how our coach said, Brian Johnson, he Mm -hmm. said that. If the wave is coming towards you, you're not running away. There is no way you can run away. You just jump on a surf or on the top of it and ride it. Ride that wave best you can. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can't change the waves. So just ride them the best you can. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And how can our listeners find you? Maybe your social media, your podcast, your website... And tell us about the challenge you have, 30 Days Intimacy Challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Abundant Couples. Our website is AbundantCouples.com. And we have a podcast, which is also called Abundant Couples. And you can find it on any platform. And yeah, we do have a 30-Day Intimacy Challenge running. It's free. And basically, it's having fun trying on the same thing that we did at the start, seeing what happens when you commit to 30 days of intimacy. But you don't have to do it alone because every day we'll send you an email with a focus for your intimacy that day and also a question to ask each other that day. So it goes beyond just the sexual part of it. It's really about connecting more deeply with each other over the course of 30 days and doing that in new ways. So you can find that at AbundantCouples.com slash 30-day challenge. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was epic. I love this episode. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. And thank you for spreading all the love <laughs> and helping people become more aware and more awake. More awake. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> um, namah Shivaya. Um, namah Shivaya. <laughs>